What's up, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT, also on the YouTube page, YouTube.com. Don't forget, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday drops every Tuesday. Tell somebody, Jonathan Hood talks wrestling every Tuesday. Right here, wherever you download your podcast, whether it's on the ESPN Chicago app, whether it's on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is for you, the wrestling fan. I love to bring it to you every Tuesday. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Thanks so much, as always, for downloading the podcast. Well, the song that you hear in the background is uh, Culture Head from Corey Taylor. That was the theme for NXT TakeOver 31. At the CWC Center in Orlando, Florida. I will tell you that as a wrestling fan, as a pro wrestling fan, even more so than a uh, sports entertainment fan, I loved that either Triple H or Vince McMahon or someone decided to rename the Performance Center, where we've seen plenty of great matches, including WrestleMania, well, they renamed the Performance Center the CWC Center. I just think that's completely cool because it's a throwback. If you watch the beginning, the open for NXT TakeOver, it showed Capital Wrestling from back in the day. Vince's father, Vince McMahon, back in the 70s, was promoting wrestling. And I loved what the open brought to the table. So as I go back and look at the open for NXT TakeOver 31, they have their standard open. And then all of a sudden, as the time ticks off, you see a letter from Vincent J. McMahon and Phil Zacco, the Secretary and Treasurer, Capital Wrestling Corporation. And then it goes to a letter that Vince McMahon wrote in 1977 when Capital Wrestling Corporation was based out of Washington, D.C., part of the WWF at the time. Heavyweight wrestling from Washington as they show a black and white film as Ray Morgan did the play-by-play back then. Uh, You're looking at some of the most remarkable athletes in the world today. Professional wrestlers are a rare breed of athlete possessing gargantuan proportions, enormous strengths, unique coordination and agility, a high threshold of physical tolerance, pulverizing power, and the ability to withstand the rigors of the most exciting Taxing sports known to man, professional wrestling. That was written by Vince McMahon in 1977. So they open up the show and they show that letter that was written by Vince McMahon. And it shows a black and white uh, graphic of Capital Wrestling Center, which is the new name for the Performance Center. And then they go to a black and white Film showing the ring, and then they go into full color into their open. I just thought that that was really dope. I really did. As someone who loves the history of the business, to see that the um, new, I guess the, the Performance Center has a new name, and it reflects back to Vince's dad, which is really cool. I think it's just tremendous. And again, I don't know if that was just a, a company thing or that was a Triple H idea. Remember, Triple H is the one that even came up with the concept of NXT, uh, of the idea of having something besides just the WWE. You have to have a place for wrestlers to learn and train. And the Performance Center NXT is all part of that. So I just think that that's really cool that they have renamed that arena the CWE Center. So the CWC Center, really, really cool. So let's review TakeOver 31. Number one, before we even go there, can I just tell you something? I don't care which podcast that you listen to or which YouTube show that you listen to when you look for wrestling content. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone that looks at any TakeOver the 30 before this one, this was 31 here this past Sunday, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who says, oh, that takeover was awful. No one says that. And that is a credit to Triple H and his staff that almost quarterly you're seeing takeover shows that are special. Now, of course, it's always a different dynamic because now during these pandemic years, you know, the 
WWE is just trying to have as many screens as possible to give that experience that fans are watching from home. And a little bit of a different wrinkle with this show taking place at the CWC Center was that there are actually some fans or wrestlers, not sure, uh, but there was some people that were around ringside. And I love the look of this arena because it had a whole different look than it does uh, at the Amway Center in Orlando where the WWE is filming um, their Raw and SmackDown shows. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think those are some fans, and I think there were some wrestlers that were mixed in. Um, the one thing I will say before we go into it, I thought it was somewhat dangerous that there were some of the fans that were there that were really close together that were not wearing masks. Some were wearing masks, and then they took them off at some point. Like it was a two-and-a-half-hour show. Um, but I, I just thought that, you know, I'm sure that everyone is checked once they go into uh, that facility. But just remember... You know, there was a COVID-19 outbreak with a number of WWE personnel and wrestlers. It could be even more than what has been reported over the past few months or so. Uh, But I did see some wrestlers or fans without masks there in Florida. And uh, I just, the hope is, is that the curve goes down, not just for the wrestlers, but for the country and the world. Uh, for COVID-19. So that's, that's always a concern for me because, you know, the last thing that you want is to have uh, more of uh, a pandemic and wrestlers that are busting their ass, trying to entertain us, um, not wear masks and not be safe. So that's just, just all part of it. So hopefully the wrestlers there were safe. But I just I noticed that while watching the crowd around ringside for take over it's like okay all right let's let's make sure that everyone's safe and socially distant which we didn't see a lot of there at ringside one thing for sure triple h gets it he gets it he and Shawn michaels get it when it comes to telling stories in the ring it's just i really look forward to these takeovers when they happen i always love them also when we were during the time where we could travel uh, and be able to see this NXT brand go from place to place connected to WWE branded pay-per-views or even standalone events for NXT takeovers. But uh, it just reminds me of the Clash of Champions for WCW and the NWA back in the day. It reminds me of Saturday Night's Band event. You want to see something special. And I thought a number of these matches were really, really special. So the North American Championship with Damian Priest taking on Johnny Gargano. It's always an interesting dichotomy between Damian Priest and anybody because Damian Priest is as big as anybody in that company, on that brand. Johnny Gargano, as we well know, is Mr. Takeover. The guy's had a lot of five-star matches uh, in his time with NXT. And so it's interesting to watch Damian Priest, a big guy, try to be able to get past this speedy, skilled Johnny Gargano, one of the best wrestlers on the NXT brand. And I thought that Damian Priest did a great job of being able to thwart the speed and the ability of Johnny Gargano. Uh, there's going to be some analysis about this match a little bit later on uh, that we'll get to. But from my standpoint, I just thought that that was either a solid B or an A- as far as how both wrestlers worked tremendously in this match. They set the tone, I think, for everything. You know, Usually in NXT, you get a women's match to start off with. or But this one here told, I think, a great story between the two as Damian Priest gets the best of Johnny Gargano via pinfall to retain his North American Championship. I'm a big Damian Priest fan. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that uh, I, I think that Punishment Martinez is... Uh, great, you know, Damian Priest is is really great at what he does because he stands out. You know, the great thing about wrestling is that when you have someone unique, different, that separates himself from the pack, that matters to me because I think that especially this era of professional wrestling can become very redundant. Where oh, this is short, well, uh, you know, a, a guy that's short, a guy that has a great body. And he's fast. Here's another guy with long hair, with a great body, that can flip over the top rope. Here's another guy that's short, that uh, has a great body, that has a lot of speed. You have to have a difference on your roster. Everybody can't be the same. Uh, I, I can never think that if I grew up watching wrestling, that I watch, I don't know, 15, 20 guys do the same thing. 
And whether that's in New Japan, whether that is in the WWE or AEW, that gets tiresome to me. So when I see Damian Priest, a big guy, you know, again, a guy that has a deep voice, that looks good, that is very confident, um, I like him now. Here's the thing. I like him better as a heel. He's more of a babyface, obviously, in this matchup as Johnny Gargano's seen the dark side. But I like Priest because he doesn't look like anybody else. And that's what got me into wrestling to start with is that, oh, here's a big guy here that seems to tower over a lot of the wrestlers on this brand. So Priest over Gargano I thought was a very solid match. Kushida against uh, Velveteen Dream. Now... <laughs> You know, there is a such thing as if a heel is just absolutely getting his ass whooped, that you're eventually going to turn him babyface. Kushida was so aggressive on Velveteen Dream that you start feeling bad for Velveteen Dream. If you just didn't know anything about these two and you saw Kushida, you know, continue to work on the shoulder, work on the arm of um, Velveteen Dream, you think... Wow, he's really getting beat down. Maybe Velveteen Dream is the underdog in this. Well, Velveteen Dream is the underdog, um, and only in this regard. Kushida has so much experience from his time in Japan, and he's been starting to stop because of injury, but he was really aggressive in this matchup against Velveteen Dream. And I was thinking after a while, I mean, so... Is Velveteen Dream going to turn back babyface at some point? He definitely was the heel. Um, this was, if there was going to be a match that wasn't as good as the others, it probably would be this one. And, and here's the thing. If you are having an issue like these two, Kushida and Velveteen Dream, and Dream is getting his uh, his ass whooped like he was, and it was it was ugly, right? It's one thing to sell. It's another thing to sell and scream and yell to the point of now you're wondering whether or not you're really hurt, right? I mean, maybe they said, hey, make sure Kushida looks strong in this, but it was overkill at some point. Holy Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan and SummerSlam, Batman. Holy cow. How I mean, how much selling did you see from Velveteen Dream? I mean, like he was dying in there, like he was actually injured in there. And I understand that the arm and the shoulder was something that was a point of emphasis in the matchup, but it was kind of like, wow, that was a lot, a ton. As you just heard Ember Moon, by the way, drive by apparently. Um, but it just, that was, I was like, what? that's a lot of selling from Velveteen Dream. I wonder what his next step is in the company. And by the way, I know there was kind of a, a different kind of matchup between the two. It's really a great back and forth. But um, Velveteen Dream was out there with like, I don't know, yellow gloves and had his hair that was gray. He didn't look like the flamboyant Velveteen Dream. What's up with him? They had the gray hair. I just, I don't know. Does, that, does this mean that he's going to be leaving and going to the main roster at some point? You want to put Kushido over strong so that Kushido can catapult up the rankings for NXT and then Velveteen Dream's leaving? He didn't look like himself. I, don't know, I thought it was interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, Velveteen Dream sold like he was Shawn Michaels, his match against Hulk Hogan. It was overkill at some point. Just keep that in your back of your mind. If someone has that kind of advantage, you start thinking, is someone going to turn here? It's interesting. Santos Escobar against Swerve Scott for the Cruiserweight Championship. This might be the second best match on the card, and I've always known that Swerve Scott was good. I read about him. Then I saw him with MLW before he came to the WWE. And I said, you know, there's something about this Swerve Scott. This guy can do some special things in the ring. That was a really, really solid matchup back and forth where I didn't know who was going to come out on top. It was just that good. Yeah, there's a little outside interference, which was unnecessary. I wish that didn't happen, but that's just part of Escobar's group, so I get it. The, the ending of that match, the reason why that this was now a B-plus instead of an A-minus is because of the finish. That's the reason why. Swerve was pushed backwards, and his, he hit his head on the ring post, 
supposedly, even though you take a look at the replay, and this is where HD kills you, and those close-up shots kill you. The story that they wanted to tell was that Escobar, and I'm going reading from my guy Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he's saying here. Escobar is to to uh, kick out a two-and-a-half to a surprise, both men fighting on the ring apron. Swerve was pushed backwards, and he hit his head on the ring post. Escobar immediately brought him back into the ring, a double underhook for a shoulder buster for the victory. Only thing is, that close-up shot shows that Swerve did not hit the ring post or the connection from the ring post to the turnbuckle. He kind of missed it. This is what happens when you have the super high-definition, real close-up shot. If you're going to tell that story, that story's got to be told where there's a wider camera angle. You know, that's that's not necessarily me, you know, um, you know, doing Monday morning quarterback or second-guessing. What I'm saying is, is that I need to be able to be invested. I was invested all the way up to the end. I'm like, what happened? And you could just tell that Swerve looked like he was knocked silly and loses the matchup. I'd love to see that match another five times, though. Uh, I thought that they had an incredible match between the two. Very, very solid. Io Shirai against Candice LeRae for the Women's Championship. So I, I thought that this was pretty pretty good. That it was a pretty good matchup. Uh, again, we're talking about a little bit of outside interference there because you saw Johnny Gargano come in at some point in the match. I thought that was very good for Shirai. Uh, it's, it's really great for Shirai to not only win the match, but also know who our future contenders are. We saw Tony, Tony Storm. Tony, Tony Storm. Oh, yes. Tony Storm. So happy to see the NXT UK star pop up on the big screen announcing that she's going to come to the NXT brand. I'm totally down with that. And all of a sudden, here comes this Mad Max character coming out of the darkness outside of the CWC Center. This person has a motorcycle mask on, comes through the curtain, comes to the door wearing a leather jacket, spikes in his Mad Max character, shaved mohawk, it's Ember Moon. Ember Moon is coming back as well, so it looks like she's healthy, and it looks like she'll be part of the NXT brand as well. And then, my good friends, we come to the main event. Finn Balor, the NXT champion. Finn Balor, the prince. Taking on Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT championship. I saw the build for this, knew that they were going to wrestle, and I said, oh, this is going to be a classic. I know, you just know because if you watch any of Kyle O'Reilly from Ring of Honor, you just knew this would be a wrestling classic between these two. And it was. It was for sure a wrestling classic. Let's go to the closing moments of this. NXT TakeOver, the main event, Finn Balor against Kyle O'Reilly. Vic Joseph called a hell of a card and called a hell of a main event. He was great. He was there with Stu Bennett, the uh, the Wade Barrett character, uh, and I just thought that those two, along with Beth Phoenix, had a tremendous call for this one. Wow, Ballard against O'Reilly. You know they could have won sixty minutes, and I would have been good with this. <laughs> it was that could have matchup. I mean, a struggle between the two. They were battling for the NXT Championship. superstars what a championship matchup this has been and kyle o'reilly trying to think about all those long drives all those flights and o'reilly chopping in now kyle o'reilly feeding off the nxt universe There's a lot of things to have been impressed by with Kyle O'Reilly tonight. None more so than no matter what predicament he has found himself, he's always been thinking, he's always been coming up with strategies on how to continue. And that strike to the knee of Finn Balor completely took him down. And Balor now went off that distraction. Oh, off that moment. Hesitation, excuse me. Able to open the door. Double footstop to the liver, to the midsection of Kyle O'Reilly. And now Balor. 
with the challenger in his sights. O'Reilly stand up. O'Reilly trying to rise as is Ballard. Ballard with the knee. O'Reilly sensing it. O'Reilly charging in. High knee. German suplex. Ballard. Double foot stop again. Where in the hell are these two getting this from? Great move. Fans are standing in that arena. Wow. And it's Ballard trying to pull himself up. And Ballard now bleeding from the mouth as well. Kyle O'Reilly's not moving. Ballard perched up high. Coup de gras. And Ballard got all the coup de gras to retain his NXT title. Awesome finish. Awesome finish. The coup de gras, the double stomp off the top rope right to the midsection of Kyle O'Reilly. Does O'Reilly in. Really, really good. You know what was interesting after the match? <laughs> what's interesting after the match was Ridge Holland, right? I don't know where Ridge Holland came from, but apparently he decided that he wanted to uh, attack the leader of the greatest faction that we've had for a while now, and Adam Cole. I don't know what happened. The leader for Undisputed Era gets attacked by Ridge Holland, and the other members of the Undisputed Era come out, and they're like, what happened, what happened, what happened? Makes me wonder if there's going to be some kind of turn here from the other members of Undisputed Era on Adam Cole. Adam Cole clearly is a babyface, and they're trying to be babyfaces somewhat in this company. I don't know what's going on here for the future, but I just thought it was interesting. The the randomness of Ridge Holland attacking Adam Cole at some point and just dumped him in ringside. I thought that was interesting. By the way, speaking of Gargano, I mean, really, really solid performance against Damian Priest and, of course... Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's happening to their Garganos. We see him in these skits now. It's the only thing that's not really wrestling on the NXT show is showing a different side of the Garganos. Uh, it's a little strange. Gargano's been such the great wrestler, and I guess this is the personality section of NXT. I guess... Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, unfortunately not the way you wanted tonight to pan out. What went wrong with the Gargano way? What went wrong? That, rude. What went wrong? Rude. Who asks that question? As a question like that, I am officially taking a vow of silence because of that question. Vow of silence starts right now. Right now. Now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? What are you going to ask us next? He's not going to answer. Maybe I'm not going to answer. You know what? A whole hell of a lot yeah. wrong. Vow's over. Vow's over. Because I got a lot to say. Tonight... I had the ref shirt on. What happened? Where was the ref? I had a Where ref was the shirt. Ref? I oh, had maybe, a maybe he shouldn't get in the way. Maybe he shirt. shouldn't get in the way. Maybe he shouldn't get in the way. Maybe he should do his job. And referee went down. Referee, look, the referee went down. Officially, officially, when he goes down and I run out with the ref it's shirt fine. on, That's I am official. the official. I am the official. I am the law. You should be thanking him, actually. You should be thanking him. I'm the best referee in the world. Best wrestler in the world, best referee in the world, I mean, best husband in the world. Didn't really count She's the best wife in the world. Okay, well, I counted as fast as my little arm could go. My arm's hurt. It's fine. Okay? Okay, okay. Like, okay. It's hurt. Okay. I got dropped in my face tonight by big, big freaking six foot okay, nine I get it. I get Damien it. Priest. Freaking dropped me on my head, arm twitching. And I still ran out and I still went, bop, 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 okay, as yeah, fast I, I could. Get it. I get it. I get it. Okay? Let's not fight. We're not fighting. We're fine. We're good. We're fine. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Everything's fine. Everything's but it's fine. not. But it's not. Because a lot went wrong. A lot went a lot wrong tonight. Wrong. It was the destiny. The destiny. I yelled it from the treetops. Destiny was on its way. But it's not on its way. But tonight, tonight, it's just the beginning. I've said that a lot. It's a lot of just the beginnings. This time we mean it. This time we mean it. Tonight's this time real. we mean it. Okay? You gotta figure something out. We will figure something I need out. To go. I need to. 
dumb question. You made this night worse. You were unprofessional, and I don't like you very much. <sighs> okay, great. Bully Ray and my friend Dave LaGreca as we transition out of that Gargano segment. Uh, anyway, um, Bully Ray and my friend Dave LaGreca from Busted Open on Sirius XM uh, Fight Nation got a chance to talk about this terrific card and show for NXT TakeOver 31. Some thoughts from Bully Ray regarding what he saw this past Sunday at the CWC Center. Everything I saw last night was super, super solid. Maybe one or two tiny things here and there that we could nitpick, but you know, maybe we will throughout the show. But not nearly enough for me to be, uh, you know, uh, upset or not entertained or anything like that. So, no, the the the, the title not changing hands was now they got now, now they got some legs to this. Maybe let O'Reilly chase Finn a little bit more. I could definitely see a rematch. Hey, those guys did such a great job last night. I could see a best of seven between them. Now, whether or not the WWE or NXT decides to go down that route, I have no idea. But there's certain guys and gals that have such great chemistry and give us such a good match that you know yep i'd pay to see them a couple of more times one of the things that i do at the team 3d academy is like two younger wrestlers will have a match all of the other wrestlers watch and at the end of the match i'll say okay how many people would pay to see that match again We'll see how many people put up their hands. That tells me everything I need to know. Would you pay to see Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor again? Yes. Boom. Then give it to us. That That's all I need. I was entertained. I enjoyed the match. And I would pay money to see it again. That match checked all of the boxes. I was not unhappy that, that there was no title change in that match. And I was not unhappy that there weren't any other title changes last night. And if, you know what? If you really look back at it and kind of analyze it a little bit more, it makes sense. Kyle O'Reilly, not that long ago, Bully, we were talking about him being like in the shadow of Adam Cole. Now, all of a sudden, he's in a main event at TakeOver. He's a main eventer now. You look at Kyle O'Reilly completely different after last night. Shane Strickland, you know, Swerve Scott, somebody that I've been very, very high on for a long time. Kind of been lost in the sauce, but he had that amazing match with Escobar last night. Now you're looking at Shane Strickland. This guy's a future champion. You know, Io Shirai showed further dominance and now after last night that women's division in NXT has gotten a hell of a lot more stronger so you need a dominant champion like you see in Io Shirai and Damian Priest just takes another step forward each and every time he's in the ring so when you really analyze those title matches even though there were no title changes and I know fans like to see title changes it makes sense that every champion retained last night it was so hard for me to pick a favorite match last night just because I enjoyed everything. Mm -hmm. But I did find myself strangely more invested in Strickland and Escobar and Kushida and Velveteen Dream than I was the main event. I don't know why. I loved the main event. But there was something about those other two matches where I was just like, wow. I, I just found myself immersed in them a little bit more. And I can what understand a, that. What a night for Kushida. What oh a goodness. night for Kushida. And oh, my goodness. Once again, this is a guy, much like Finn, that I have seen over the years, you know, perform together with him on shows and, you know, see him come up in New Japan. Knew what he was in New Japan. Then you see him come over to NXT. Not really the same guy. A couple of injuries kind of put on the back burner. But last night was definitely a coming out party for, for Kushida. I mean, what a performance, massive intensity, you know, taking it to Dream, beating Dream strong, and then yes. taking it to him after the match. So, Kushida is definitely back on the map after last night. Phenomenal performance. Great thoughts there from Bully Ray and Dave LaGreca from Busted Open on Sirius XM. Before we go back to NXT TakeOver... I want to talk about something I have not talked about on the show, and I've been waiting to see how this particular piece of business, how this news would unravel, and that is Vince McMahon forcing WWE talent to hand over their Twitch accounts. And so this is uh, 
a story that I've been following for a while, but not talked about on the show because I want to see if there was going to be a second, third, fourth level to the story. So originally, a few weeks back, it was a story that came out that Vince McMahon was forcing WWE talent to uh, make sure that they would not be part of third-party platforms. The WWE wants to control their own content. They don't want their talent to be able to make all this money on the side from Twitch playing video games with fans or having their own talk shows, their own platform someplace else. They want the money, the revenue, the attention all to be under the WWE brand. And so we understand that former presidential candidate Andrew Yang has also been um, in this particular story where he's saying, well, professional wrestlers are are pretty much independent contractors, they should be able to do this. And so there's also this conversation that's out there now that, oh yeah, sure, well, you could be part of some of this, but this will, if you are part of Twitch or if you are part of some sort of, um, you know, third-party deal that um, we could suspend you, we can fine you, or we could fire you. And so my initial reaction to this was, well, look, it's just kind of like the radio business, right? Okay, so I work for Good Karma Brands after Good Karma Brands took over our station ESPN 1000. So I'm under new ownership. And we are loosely connected to the ESPN platform. But at the same time, if I want to be able to do podcasts uh, outside of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, if I want to do my own podcast, which I do, by the way, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, even though that radio show does not exist, it's still a podcast. For those of you that listen to me, you already know that Under the Hood is still a viable podcast. I'm doing it every Saturday, wherever you download your podcast, like for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. It's not necessarily affiliated with, affiliated with ESPN 1000. It's just something that I do. Uh, they did not tell me to do that. I just want to stay connected with that uh, that particular podcast feed under the hood with Jonathan Hood. It's part of my radio show. All these years, um, all my episodes are still on there, and I'm giving putting new content up there. Um, me working with SiriusXM on the NBA radio side or working and doing some shows, filling in, doing Busted Open or doing the UIC Flames as a play-by-play voice for basketball and base. These are things that are part of my brand, not necessarily part of Good Karma brands. It's part of what I do as a broadcaster. And so these are, you know, I don't consider what I, other things I do as third party, but those are extra things that I do. The wrestlers outside of performing for Vince in the WWE, when they, when they get on Twitch, they do video games or do talk shows or when they have these other platforms, that, that should be their platform aside from the WWE. Um, the idea that Vince McMahon wants to intervene on side money that wrestlers are doing or, you know, want to be able to intervene on say AJ Styles being on Twitch, being able to talk to fans, well, that's a conduit to the company anyway. Yeah, AJ Styles or Paige or someone else might be getting extra money from it, but still, it's still under, it's it's their brand, but people know Paige, people know AJ Styles, people know other wrestlers, like the New Day, for being part of the WWE, but outside of the bubble, it's, it's actually not a bad thing because it just brings more people under the tent. Hey, I'm WWE superstar, you know, Austin Creed. You know me from being part of the New Day, but I'm here to play video games with you or watch. I want you to watch me play video games. So you know who I am. So here we go, right? As long as it's not salacious, as long as it's not uh, uh, something against the WWE or something negative against Vince McMahon and the WWE, wrestlers should be able to do whatever they want to do. As long as, as they are, are doing things that um, are, are becoming of the WWE as far as them acting well, if, as long as they're able to um, not disparage the company or their character anyway, those wrestlers, men and women, should be able to have these extra platforms. Because here's the thing. Clearly, they're not really doing it for money. I mean, that's a part of it. 
but also the enjoyment of doing something that's not scripted, doing something that's not wrestling, doing something that they enjoy. It just shows a different side of that wrestler. Like, hey, I'm Alan Jones away from the WWE. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna talk to you. I'm still AJ Styles, but I feel more like myself, Alan Jones, by able to talk to you about wrestling, football, whatever. And if the WWE doesn't afford those platforms for those wrestlers, they should be able to do whatever they want and get money for it. I, I just, I don't understand why that is the case. Is there a Twitch channel for the WWE wrestlers? You know, and, and by the way, if there, if there is a WWE Twitch where the new day or, um, Prince pretty or, you know, all those other people that are on Twitch playing video games, if it's under the WWE banner, why can't they get the money for that or the full price for that? See, they're making money where they don't have the WWE digging in their pockets. Now they want to be part of the pockets. So Ryback talked to Raj Giri. Raj Giri has been part of this show um, from Wrestling Inc. He's been a guest on the show. We hope to have him back again. And um, Ryback, who has really took the WWE to task, and and I don't agree with a lot of stuff that Ryback says. Ryback had some comment just recently that the wrestling business would be better off if Vince McMahon was dead, if he wasn't around. I'm paraphrasing that. I'm not happy with that because that's nonsense for a lot of different reasons. Um, but they discussed this whole thing as far as talent having to hand over their Twitch accounts and how talent is pissed off about it. So let's go back in time and hear that. But I did break a, a story last night. Uh, WWE is taking over the talent's Twitch accounts. Uh, in four weeks, they sent out an email uh, letting talent know that uh, they can keep their Twitch accounts, but WWE is going to own them. Uh, yeah. They will get a percentage of those revenues that goes to that Twitch account, but that counts against their downside guarantee. Uh, Andrew Yang, of course, <laughs> replied immediately, uh, just saying that it's uh, unconstitutional. Uh, we spoke to Andrew Yang on the podcast. Uh, we've talked a lot about this, uh, but your thoughts. Building your, your brand yourself and then having to share that revenue and not owning it during your time with WWE. Yeah, no, the it I would be really curious to know what that that that, that cut that is going to be because as we know the percentages in WWE are oftentimes uh heavily favored uh, to the promoter to Vince. Um now you're dealing with uh, something with social media. A lot of these guys have built up their followings on there. And you're going to count it against their downside. My thing is well then their contract should be restructured every single one of them to incorporate uh, and increase everyone should get a raise then based off of this prior, just if they're going to keep it this way, because now they're taking their, their revenue on that and they're counting it towards their downside, which they're going to pay them less on other things now. And they're going to increase the, their bottom line. Um, this is greed at its finest. I understand protecting brands, but when talent, it, the, the talent all have a choice there where they don't have to, if everyone just said, we're not doing this, they wouldn't be able to do anything about it. The problem is, is that's not what's going on. And in all fairness, and, and when you got new people starting out, you're going to do whatever you're told. That's the name of the game. You have no power. You don't have a lot of money. Most guys don't have anything saved up for quite a long time there with how the pay structure is, even though the pay is better. It, it's it's a frustrating thing. I'm glad I'm not involved in it and part of it, quite frankly. But, but that just goes to show you just how screwed up everything is. Like I said, because I think if you're going to do this, though, they all should then their contracts should be renegotiated to incorporate this new addition into it. They're not doing that. I promise you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see what comes of it. Um, Andrew Yang has promised that if, if Joe Biden were to win the presidency, he'll have a say uh, if he's not secretary of labor, he'll have a say with what goes on. He, he has been saying that he will look into WWE's business practices. So um, we will see. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Vince well, and, <laughs> Thoughts there from Ryback, former WWE wrestler. So let's hear from Andrew Yang, uh, former presidential candidate. Andrew Yang was on Chris Van Vliet's YouTube show, and um, he 
says in his own words his thoughts about how the WWE's uh, really about greed more so than anything else, taking from the wrestlers. Let's hear from Chris and Andrew Yang on this issue. I think you turned a lot of heads this week when you called out WWE, Vince McMahon specifically, for their, quote, ridiculous classification of WWE wrestlers as independent contractors while controlling their name and likeness. For you, what, what's so ridiculous about this? I actually got a message from, uh, from someone uh, who is part of the WWE pointing out to me the story about how WWE was saying, hey, don't go on Cameo or Twitch. Uh, and it infuriated me because I know that the WWE has been trying to play it both ways for years where they're saying on one hand, can't do anything without our say-so. You, we own you, but you're an independent contractor and we have nothing to do with your health, retirement, um, uh, any of the benefits you get that would accrue to an employee so to me, you, you have to make a choice at some point. If you're going to control all these aspects of a, a wrestler or performer's waking life, then you should take some responsibility, too, for that person. Uh, bigger picture. Maybe like if they have a kid, maybe they get some uh, maternity or paternity leave. You know, maybe they get off-season. Maybe they get recovery time. Uh, and I say this as someone who's been a longtime fan of the sport. I know you know a lot of the performers well yourself. Yeah. Uh, they're putting their lives on the line not, or their health on the line, their family life on the line all the time. They've made Vince a billionaire. Uh, and then the fact that he's still being so heavy handed about their ability to make a simple buck on Cameo just struck me as so absurd and ridiculous and wrong. Uh, and I've been on the side of MMA fighters who are in the similar boat, frankly, with the UFC and Dana White. Yeah. Uh, and because I got this note from this uh, performer, I said, you know, like it's past time that someone calls Vince out for this, particularly because if Joe and Kamala win, I may be in a position to do something about it. So I think a lot of people were looking at this from the outside going, this guy's a politician. I mean, what does he know? But you're a lifelong wrestling fan. So, like, who were some of the people that you looked up to growing up? Well, I'm a little older than you, Chris. So for me, uh, it was like the original 80s Hulkamania heyday. Uh, so my favorite wrestler was Macho Man Randy Savage. I was like a huge Macho Man guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Uh, Ricky Steamboat I liked. Um, and then a little bit later on, there's a whole generation of performers I really liked that passed away quite early. So it was like Ravishing Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig bunch of those guys where i was like how can british bulldog like yeah. a lot of those guys you're like how the heck uh, are are they dead like i feel like i saw him just a lot the other month and he you know on tv and he looked great uh i went to live events with my brother who was also a fan so i saw andre the giant in person i, I marveled at how enormous he was like it, it felt like if you tucked yourself into a ball he could uh <laughs> like body humor like throwing over his head um so yeah, like I was a, a real wrestling fan growing up, and I feel like every kid in the 80s was a wrestling fan, unless it was just my town. <laughs> where, no, where no, I, this was everywhere. It was everywhere uh, in, in the 80s and 90s, and, uh, you know, I, I grew up with it. It was a family bonding experience. My took my brother and me to see WrestleMania four. the, you know, and so things like that, it, it was incredible. I really do not, uh, because there, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that if uh, an actress or performer plays Belle from Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> that, that, that is not actually Belle. She does not live in a magic castle <laughs> with, with the Beast. Uh, and so if the actress then turns around and does something of their own accord, everyone knows it's you know talent for, for hire and she's doing something else. Uh, and so with professional wrestlers, you inhabit a character, but you're still a human being uh, and you still should be able to do things as any human <laughs> would do. For example, make an appearance, show up on, on Cameo, like do, do things that take advantage of it. it like uh, it'd be if you, Chris, somehow were uh, in a movie and then all of a sudden you weren't allowed to turn around <laughs> and do anything as yourself. Right. Uh, so, so I think that the comparison 
is not very apt uh, in large part because the treatment is so uh, uh, is so uh, again it, it's so dissonant because on one hand you're saying look we have no responsibility for you but on the other hand uh, we control your very image your name in some cases uh, and you can't do anything without our say so uh, it, it in no a way it's actually inhuman it's dehumanizing it's saying like look you are no longer a human being you are this character uh, and i remember one of the pieces of evidence this will show what a fan i am uh, of how off big Vince is. is you remember when he busted out like the fake razor ramon and the fake diesel of course when, uh, yeah that holland kevin nash went to, yeah but like that that's literally how he thinks about it it's like i made you i invented you it's like actually there are two dudes <laughs> they're walking around they work for your competitor and no one cares about these new fake characters that you're uh, you know you're, you're coming up with like, like without those individuals and the talent um the characters don't matter and they don't exist Interesting thoughts there from Andrew Yang. Uh, he had a little bit of a breakup in the video feed uh, that he was on with Chris. I guess it was a Zoom call of some sort, but we want to be able to bring that audio to you here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I believe that um, I believe that the wrestlers should be able to have their own names. There's talk that wrestlers don't can't even they don't even have control of their real names. Not not their wrestling names, but their shoot names. So has the WWE copyrighted like the real name of of Alan Jones and AJ Styles? See, I I don't know. It's it's very strange. I just know that it's just very strange. That's just when you are trying to monopolize on your wrestlers, not even as human beings, but just as characters, as toys, right? I mean, it's one thing to be able to trademark a lot of the names that you came up with in the office in Stanford. But, you know, when someone wants to be themselves on a commercial, be themselves someplace else outside the WWE, the WWE reels you in. And I have a major problem with that. Um, the, the One of the questions that's posed to Andrew Yang was, you know, the WWE sees themselves as Disney or as a, a monopoly over the characters that they present on television. And like, yeah, you want to have a trademark on The Undertaker and all these other names and, and names that are not real. That's fine. Um but at the same time, though, outside the WWE, if you want to be able to capitalize on your fame as a wrestler, you should be able to do that. WWE pays you well, sure. But at the same time, you can tell that this group of wrestlers want to be able to go outside the bubble and not only take care of themselves, but also be able to say, hey, you know, if you don't watch a WWE, you can catch me on Friday nights on SmackDown, Monday nights on Raw, NXT, whatever. Because it only, to, to me, ESPN, I will just say this as I close up this segment. ESPN is always willing to allow its talent, this is just my experience, is always allow its talent to be able to be on, on other platforms to showcase what they want to talk about, right? It's not like ESP, ESPN says, okay, if you're going to go on this podcast and talk about your career, you're allowed to do that because you are Stephen A. Smith, ESPN first take host, or you know, you're know, you Jonathan Hood, part of ESPN. Go on this podcast, talk about your career, but of course, your title is ESPN. More times than not, from my experience, ESPN has never said, you can't do this. You can't be on this local television show or this podcast or this because the, the name needs to be able to branch out outside of what happens in Bristol, Connecticut. It has to be able to branch out. The ESPN name has to be in places where people aren't even into sports. But even those that are not into sports would be like, oh, okay, that's Jonathan from ESPN, the sports station. So ESPN, from my experience, has allowed me to do that. The WWE clearly is just like, hey, if you're a WWE superstar, we're going to book you for the interview or you're going to go to our podcast. You can't go outside of our bubble. And to me, I just think that that's repetitive and, uh, and silly because you always want to try to grow your brand, not just within the four walls or the Titan Tower in uh, – in Stanford, Connecticut. I just think that that's mind-boggling to me. And that'll do it for another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN, the app, as well as 
uh, Google, as well as Apple Podcasts, wherever you download your podcast, I'll do it another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Tell people the Childhood Hood Talks Wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday, and coming up soon, oh man, we will break down the first anniversary of AEW. Can I get Josh Lopez on to uh, help me break down the first year anniversary of AEW right around the corner? The next thing that you will hear, by the way, is Triple H and his conference call after NXT TakeOver 31. So instead of putting it on this podcast, it'll be a separate feed so you can hear Triple H's thoughts about NXT TakeOver taking place at the CWC Center. He answered some questions, breaks a little news, I think, as well. So that's the next thing that you'll hear if you're listening to these podcasts in order. As always, I appreciate you checking out the podcast. And we'll do it again next Tuesday. Another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here.